This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Can you hear me now? Nice. User error. Wasn't the sound man's fault. Because every time something goes wrong in church with the sound, that's the time where the sound man really gets acknowledged in church because everybody turns around. Or I guess it would be this way. But anyways, glad that you came to church today. Hope you brought your Bibles with you. Uh, Otherwise, you can follow along if you brought your uh, iPad or your phone or something with the YouVersion app. But if you did bring your Bible, go to the book of Genesis and the 15th chapter. We're going to be talking on the definition of what it means to be faithful, what God's definition is, rather, of the word faithful, because you and I have our own definitions that have been created by what we've experienced, by what others have told us, and we've got this idea of what different words may mean, and everybody in here may have a different interpretation, and that's where there's always conflict, where we're hearing the same thing, but yet we're understanding it differently. So we need to submit our ideas and our ways of thinking to what God thinks and what God says. Amen? The, kind of the current thread throughout this whole series of definitions has been we always need to be willing to give up what we believe for the truth. And that's if I've been growing up under a misbelief or if I have experienced a misbelief or, or someone has taught me a certain way, I need to submit all those ideas and all those feelings that I have and all those attachments towards those things. I need to submit those things to God because ultimately He is absolute truth, not what I think, feel, or what I can reason within myself. Amen, somebody. So we're going to talk about the definition of faithful. And Webster has a great definition of the word faithful. It says this, To be steadfast in affection or allegiance, talking about being loyal, to be firm in adherence to promises or observances of duty, to be given to strong assurance, or to be true to the facts, to a standard, or to be true to the original. This is a faithful copy. And so there's a lot of good definitions here that Webster gives us about what it means to be faithful. But we can look at God and we can see that who He is is faithful. It's a part of who He is. It's not just something that He does. All throughout the Word, we can see where God made something that was called covenant with his people. And he would make these different covenants or these solemn vows, these solemn promises that were deeper than just me saying something that a lot of times I I believe that that word faithful or, or our commitments or our word that we give to people, it doesn't carry as much weight in our eyes as maybe it used to. And I think that in our culture and in our society today, that that word faithful has lost a lot of weight because we have just been ho-hum. We've been just easy going that we just prefer convenience over commitment. And so we don't really understand faithfulness, but God paints for us a picture all throughout his word of a covenant keeping God that always keeps covenant with his people. And he is faithful throughout the ages to do what he says he is going to do. So in Genesis chapter 15, we see an example of God making covenant with a man by the name of Abram. And he's talking to Abram, and he says to him in verse 7, Then he he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and inherit it. 
And here's what Abram said. He said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? In other words, he's wanting to know, God, how do I know that this is really going to happen? How do I know that this is the real deal? Because you're saying these things, they sound good to me, and you're telling me that this land is mine, I'm going to inherit it. How do I know that you're really going to do this? So, verse 9, he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, three-year-old female goat, three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all of these to him. He cut them into two down the middle and placed them on the opposite of one another, but he did not cut the birds in two. When the vultures came down to the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, a horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that's not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge afterwards. They shall come out with great possessions." Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you'll be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass, when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord God made covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Catamanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, Rephraim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites, and all the other termites. And so <laughs> he said, listen, I have given you all of this land. And he said, and I've made this vow and this promise. And God did something that was called making a covenant. And we see all throughout Scripture where people would make covenant with one another. Uh, King David and Jonathan cut covenant together. We see how different vows and different covenant promises were made. And we see here this picture of what would happen in a traditional blood covenant. And we see these animals being cut in half and then they're separated. Now, I don't want to be too gross, but I'm just going to tell you exactly what would happen. Uh, what happened in a traditional blood covenant is that these animals would be split. They would be placed th about three feet apart from one another, and all of the blood from the animals would drain down into the center, and they would let it sit for about three or four hours. And then after this was good and bloody, then the people that were making covenant with one another would walk down between the middle of those two animals once barefoot, okay, you walk down once, signifying that you're dying to your old self, that who you were was dead like these dead animals, and then you would make a vow saying that if I break this covenant, may what happened to these animals, let it happen to me, and you're saying that I am dead to who I was, and then you turn around and you walk back through the blood once again, signifying the fact that you are now in covenant with this person. Everything that you have now belongs to them. Everything that they have belongs to you. You are now covenant partners together. It was a very, very deep vow. But we see here in Genesis 15 that Abram didn't walk through the blood, that God walked through the blood all by himself, showing Abram that he is a faithful God, that he is a covenant-keeping God. And he said, Abram, this has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with what I'm saying I'm going to do, and I'm showing you that I am faithful. And he was making that commitment and that covenant with God. Now, sometimes we see throughout the scripture that God would make conditional covenants with people where he would tell them uh, and use th this type of verbiage, I will do this if you do this. And then we see throughout scripture where those things were conditional based on their obedience or whatever the case may be. But then we also see these unconditional covenants throughout scripture like the one that God just made with Abram, where he said, this is what I'm going to do, big boy. This is what's going to happen, okay? And he said, how do, how do I know 
that you're faithful. He said, well, watch this. I'm going to make covenant with you, Abram. And we see all throughout Scripture how God is a covenant-keeping God, that everything He said He's going to do, He is going to do, that we can count on Him because faithfulness is a part of who God is. Keeping covenant, keeping His word is a part of who God is. He's proven Himself to be faithful even in the middle of our unfaithfulness. Amen, somebody. Because you and I sometimes can be very flighty, we can be very fickle, and the more and more that our culture wants to stray away from faithfulness, we're actually straying away from the very heart and the very core of who God is, and that is faithful. We're missing the point, I believe, a lot of times when this definition of faithfulness loses its weight and its merit. When our commitments and, 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 our, and our understanding of what that word means begins to get watered down. Then all of a sudden we begin to see things happen in our lives that, 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 that we don't understand and we don't like and we want to avoid pain, we want to avoid conflict, we want to avoid everything that we don't like or that makes us uncomfortable. We want to chase after our preferences because ultimately we're wanting really just to appease ourselves because what culture has done is culture has actually placed convenience over faithfulness. Culture actually values convenience over faithfulness. Now, understand that a covenant-keeping, faithful God is constantly dealing with a culture and a people who would rather choose what is convenient over what is right. And, and we see this in our culture today, and it's just running rampant that no one wants to ever have to have any stick to to them, if that's even a word, but it sounds really spiritual to say in church. Get back with me on that, whether that's real, uh, a real word or not. I think that in our day and time that we make empty promises. We refuse to endure any hardship of any kind. And we expect everyone and everything to cater to us. And we want what we want yesterday. You see, we make everything in our culture today about ourselves. And when we make everything about ourselves, we become very short-sighted. We're not seeing the big picture. We're not seeing further down the road, but if we understand that God is a big picture God, He's not just seeing the little short-sighted problems that you and I are facing. He doesn't just see the short-sighted frustrations that you and I will focus on and get stuck in and get trapped in. God sees the big picture because if God were a short-sighted God, He would have given up on us a long time ago. But no, He sees the big picture. He's seen the big picture from creation, and he just knows exactly where we're at. And like we sang today, that he's faithful, that never once did we ever walk alone, even when you felt alone, even when you felt like the whole world was against you, even when you felt like that nobody cared about you. God still cared. God was still there. Why? Because he's faithful. Because he said in his word, he would never leave you or forsake you because he said in his word that he is faithful because we can see that he is a covenant keeping God but God understands something that I believe he wants us to get a picture of his heart today is that faithfulness is not about me it's not a selfish thing as a matter of fact faithfulness is selfless faithfulness does not focus on me it doesn't focus on my convenient things in life that I would rather have. It doesn't focus on my preferences. No, faithfulness is selfless. 
It is focusing on what God wants and what he says above what I want and what I think. Because I think that I need things that I may not really need. And when I chase after what I want instead of chasing after what God wants, it makes me very flighty and I never am able to shoot down any roots in any situation in my life and I never am able to weather any storms and I'm always getting knocked down every time something negative or frustrating or something I don't like comes my way because my roots don't go deep because I haven't been faithful. I've been more focused on myself and what I like and what I want. And when that happens, folks, we begin to get ripped up at every single turn, every single opportunity. I took my kids to Walmart last week, okay? And their mom wasn't with us, just me and the kids. That's right. I took three children under the age of eight to Walmart by myself. And they were really good. And they were very obedient. I was very proud of them. But I told them, I said, guys, I said, we're here to buy mom Christmas present. I'm going to give each one of you 10 bucks, and I want you to buy something for mom from your heart that you think she would like. And so we're going through, and they said, well, can I have a toy with this money? I said, no. This is for your mom. Well, what if I buy her something and I have money left over? No. You're missing the point. This is my money. You're going to give it back to me. (laughs) Actually, I tell my children and remind them frequently, you really don't own anything. It's all mine. I let you use it. But the thing is, is that they were thinking about themselves. And that's how we get a lot of times. And here we are in the Christmas season And a lot of times we want to focus on others in giving, but the natural tendency and the weakness of our flesh is to be short-sighted and to focus on ourselves, to focus on what we want. Even in doing good things for other people, we're still wondering what's in it for me. And we become very short-sighted and very selfish because ultimately faithfulness is a heart issue, and that really shows where our hearts are, that we're more times trying to preserve ourselves, that we're trying to please ourselves, that we're trying to do what's easy for ourselves. And faithfulness truly is a hard issue. But you have to understand something about God and His faithfulness, is that He doesn't keep His promises. He doesn't keep His covenant because you're good or because we deserve it. He does it because it's who He is. Faithfulness is a part of God's DNA. As a matter of fact, he shows us time and time again how he's been faithful, how he sees the big picture. Have you ever been through something in your life that you never thought you were going to make it through? And then you look back over your shoulder and you go, wow, God really is faithful. But in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that trial, man, you didn't know what was going to happen. You were scared to death. You were grasping for straws maybe at times. But God has proven himself faithful. And the more and more that I get to know him, the stronger and deeper my roots go and the more that I learn to trust him. How the old hymn goes, how I prove you o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. I want grace, Lord, to trust you more, to learn about who you are more. 
And God did something funny, though. In Genesis 1 and 26, the Bible says that God created man in his image and in his likeness. And that doesn't mean that we all were just clones of God that looked just like him on the outside. No, he's talking about I'm putting my character, my heart. I'm wanting to create them with values like I have. I'm wanting to create them in a way that would reflect who I am. And so if faithfulness is a part of God's DNA, you and I were created in the image of God. We were created to be faithful. We were created to be faithful. It's not just something that you and I try to accomplish and check off of our list of good deeds that we do for the day. Oh, I think I'm going to try harder to do better to be faithful today. No, no. It's really a heart issue. And the more that we get caught up in that gravitational pull of who God is and He begins to put His values and instill those things in us, then we begin to reflect who He is. The more we reflect who he is, guess what? The more and more faithful we become, the deeper our roots go, the more we're able to endure and go through. Why? Because he who has been faithful has called me to be faithful. Amen, somebody? Amen. I said this last week, and, 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 and it was a great quote, and, and I, just, I heard it from another minister that I was listening to, and, and he said this. I want you to write it down in case you missed it last week. That change is man caught in the gravitational pull of God. You see, God begins to change and, ref and, 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 and shape our, our heart, our values, and we begin to allow our minds to be renewed. And then all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're caught in this gravitational pull of who God is. And the more that we get to know Him, we begin to reflect who He is. We begin to show His faithfulness in our lives. I think that oftentimes, though, too many people give up way too easy on things. We give up way too easy on marriage. We give up way too easy on jobs. We give up on kids. We give up on dreams and passions. We give up on our calling. We'll give up on God. We'll give up on church. We just give up when things get hard, when things get difficult. Why? Why do we continually see this pattern of giving up when things get difficult? Why do we see this in our culture where faithfulness has lost its weight? Why do we see that people who are, 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 are easily offended that will go from this thing to this thing or who are easily frustrated will go from this thing to this thing or because it's not convenient or because it's not what I want, I go from this thing to this thing. I've had 52 jobs this year, one for every week. And man, let me tell you, every boss at that place, man, they're just jerks. The odds are is that those 52 bosses weren't jerks. The odds are is that you and I haven't learned how to grow where we're planted. I'll go from this relationship to that relationship looking for something, and each relationship that I leave, it gets easier and easier to leave because I've gotten kind of good at it. That's why when I was a youth pastor, I used to teach my teenagers, and I still believe this uh, with all my heart today, that... I would ask teenagers, I would say, why are you dating that girl? You're 14, she's 15, what, 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 or, or, or whatever. What's the deal? Why are you guys dating at such a young age? Well, because she's my boyfriend. You know, she's my girlfriend. I'm her, I'm her boyfriend. We're in love. Okay, yeah, but why are you doing this? You see, I don't believe in dating like this world teaches dating at all. I would tell them, i say, you have no business talking to this girl unless you're ready to pursue getting married. Because 
I don't think it's cute when little kids play boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't allow my children to play boyfriend and girlfriend. And let me tell you why. Because what you're teaching your children is that you're teaching them to get really good at divorce. Because you're showing them that, oh, I don't like this girl because she, she called me a name. Well, I don't want you to be my girlfriend anymore. I'm going to break up with you. And then as they get older, all of a sudden the rumor mill starts going at the high school. Well, oh, we're going to have this big dramatic breakup. They're just getting really good at divorce. They're getting very good at it when they enter into a relationship and they actually do finally get married with someone. Then they go, you know what, I don't like you. I remember not liking someone before. And man, it sure felt a lot better when I wasn't with this person. And so we just see the divorce, race, divorce rate escalate. And I'm not saying that that's all that there is to blame because there's more things going on in our lives and things that we need to teach our children. But that's one thing that I think that people will actually uh, cultivate this culture, if you will, of not being faithful. It's just part of what we practice. It's part of what we model. People will just up and leave churches over and over and just look for this and look for that. And what are they looking for? People will up and leave relationships. What are they looking for? People will just move around. They don't understand being called. They don't understand growing where they're called, where they're planted, and understanding that until I do that, I'm going to be repeating this test over and over again until I learn to grow through this uncomfortable feeling. Because how many of you have been married long enough to know you're going to go through something? <laughs> Maybe one or two things. And you don't give up just when it gets hard. You don't give up when you don't feel what you want to feel. Or when the other person isn't doing for me what I wanted them to do. We make it all about us and we become very selfish and we don't understand faithfulness. We don't understand putting roots down. We don't understand weathering storms and understanding that difficulties and pressures and frustrations and things that we don't like and inconvenience and offense, these things are going to happen in our lives, but we don't just uproot every single time these things happen because how will we ever learn to grow and weather storms and learn and, pr and improve the faithfulness of God if we ourselves don't shoot down some roots? Because faithfulness is actually a root system, okay? That's what faithfulness is. It's, it's a root system. Let me show you this in the very first psalm. Psalm 1, and we'll look at verse 1. Psalm 1 and 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Why? Why? Because he's got deep roots. Why? Because he's connected to something that's helping him to grow. Because he's planted. Because he's getting to know the very heart of God. Because he's getting to think on and meditate on who God is and what God says and allows his thoughts and his heart to reflect those things and desire those things that God wants. And then it begins to allow my roots to grow deeper and I'm going to bring forth fruit in my season. 
Everybody loves looking at the trees when they're beautiful in the spring, in the summer, and then in the fall. But in the winter, they're not really all that pretty with the leaves and the flowers and stuff. But yet, during that time, does the tree pull up its roots and say, man, this is too cold in Wisconsin. I am out of here. I'm going to Florida. Do our trees just leave? Make like a tree and leave? Can you get that? No, our trees don't pull up their roots and say, I'm out of here. No, the ones that make it, the ones that actually are going to bloom and produce fruit next year are the ones that have strong, deep roots. Amen? Amen. There's going to be pretty seasons in our life, buddy, where things are going well. Woo! I am too blessed to be stressed. I'm, a, I'm appointed and anointed. And let me tell you, I, I'm just feeling it. God's been better than me than I've been to myself. Can I get an amen, somebody? High five, brother or sister. But then there's going to be times where you're going, God, where are you? God, where are you? Where you feel very alone, you feel very frustrated. Maybe you're offended. Maybe you're upset over something. Maybe you're carrying around this weight of frustration, of bitterness. Maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're discouraged. There's going to be those seasons too in life. Matter of fact, the Bible says don't be surprised when these things happen. Actually, James says count it all joy when these things happen because God is a faithful God. And we know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death that I can fear no evil. Didn't say that I wasn't going to walk through anything that wasn't going to try to make me afraid, that wasn't going to try to knock me out. Matter of fact, Peter says that we need to be wise because our adversary, the devil, is actually walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So you see, we actually have an adversary that doesn't want to see us plant deep roots, doesn't want to see us grow, doesn't want to see us be effective, wants to keep us feeling isolated and frustrated and feeling alone and feeling offended, feeling bitter, feeling uncomfortable, Looking at everything that's not convenient for me or, man, it's just not like it used to be. And we begin to fantasize and, 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 and we begin to uh, really pump up the good old days. Oh, man, things were so much better when. Oh, man, things were so much better. You know, just like a lot of you ladies' husbands do, when they played sports in high school, they were awesome. When in reality, they were probably okay, but odds are is that they weren't as good as maybe everyone remembers that they were or they thought that they were. I remember when I tell my wife, man, I was really good at basketball. I did it. And then I go back and think about it. You know, I wasn't really that good. So, you know, those who can't play basketball preach, I guess I don't know. But we fantasize and we, 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 we will pump up those glory days. Especially if we have maybe someone that we had a relationship with or friendship. Oh man, things were better when my friend was doing this. Things were better in this. And we just pumped those things up. And oh, it was just so grandiose and so good. And we begin to focus on those things. And we're looking for that feeling. And we're searching for that feeling. Instead of being focused on where we're called to be. What we're called to be doing. And planting roots and saying, God, I want to grow where I'm at. God, this job that I have right now, it may not be optimal. You know what? They brought in some new management and things have been very frustrating. That friend of mine that I had, they left my place of employment and it's been really difficult. I feel very alone. 
And we just want to quit and give up when things don't work out the way we want them to. And then we begin to, a lot of times what we'll do is, is we'll begin to demonize those things that we don't like to kind of blow them up and magnify them so we can really focus on justifying ourselves for the decision we really know that we're going to make. Well, you know, and, and then we put our, 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 our sensitivity kind of goes up a level or two. And then things that we wouldn't have been offended over now, we're getting super offended over. And we're spreading it and we're telling everybody why. Because we really know in our hearts what we're wanting to do. Because we're really focused on serving ourselves instead of planting roots and saying, Okay, God, this is where you want me to be. People will leave towns. Oh, I need to go start over. Well, did God tell you to do that? Or are you just doing that because it's convenient? I need to go to another state where nobody knows me. Nobody knows my past. Nobody knows what I've done. Nobody knows what I'm doing. And it's easier to just run away and, and hide. Did God tell you to do that? Is God leading you to do that? Or are you just trying to run away from something that is a little painful at this moment? That hurts a little bit right now? Or that's inconvenient? Or are you running away from frustrations? I need out of this marriage. Everything in my life would be fixed if, if I didn't have this person in my life. Would it really are we just running away from this only to get connected with someone else and just recreate those same circumstances all over again because we didn't allow God to shape and change our hearts? See, faithfulness is a root system, something that grows deep, something that is gaining nutrients to strengthen the rest of the body. And it's the same thing in church, amen, somebody? That's why it's so important that we understand faithfulness and we understand calling. We understand, God, I want what you want. Because God is a faithful and committed God. Amen. If we don't stay planted, how are we ever going to grow strong enough? See, the, the problem that I think that we see in society today is that nobody wants to go through anything. We always want to avoid pain. We always want to avoid trials we always want to avoid things that may frustrate us and we just always want to run away from those things because it's easier to not have to deal with it we just run away from it but how are we ever supposed to get stronger if we never learn to grow where we're planted about a year and a half ago i started working out and if you've been in this church longer than a year and a half and you remember when i first got here i was very much overweight, out of shape. I weighed almost 300 pounds when I came here as your pastor, and I was very unhealthy, the unhealthiest I've ever been in my life. And I made the decision to change. I made the decision to start working out. And let me tell you something. It hurts. Okay? I've lost almost 70 pounds and gained much more in muscle and strength than, than I've ever been able to do in my life. But it didn't happen overnight. You, did I want to give up some days and not go to the gym or, or, or not want to eat right or not want to, you know, work out hard doing this or that? Absolutely. And when I still go to the gym, it still hurts. But guess what? I know that the reward is going to make me stronger and healthier. And in, uh, in, in November, I actually competed in a Spartan Sprint at Miller Park where there's like 5,000 people there competing in this uh, obstacle course race. And we did things that I've never done in my life. We climbed eight-foot walls. You know, at, at Miller Park, you know all those stairs that you walk up to go to your seat? Yeah, I walked up and down every single one of those. 
from one side of the park all the way to the other, sometimes carrying uh, five-gallon jugs of water or 40-pound uh, sacks of sand. And they bound our legs together at one point, and we had to jump up like six flights of stairs. All these things, I'm sitting here going, you know what? A year and a half ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Wouldn't have been able to make it. But why was I able to make it? I was able to make it because I'd been through a few things. It broke me down a little bit. It was painful, but it made me stronger, and it made me able to do things that I didn't even know that I could do. And it's the same thing in our lives where we see that God will, will actually lead us and guide us and never leave us or forsake us, but He leads us and guides us by His Spirit. And He's always holding on to us, and He's never leaving us or abandoning us. But sometimes you and I have to deal with things in our lives that aren't easy or aren't comfortable. And when we go through those things with an understanding that God is always with me and He's always for me, whether I was responsible for creating this scenario or this situation by my decisions or whether it was just something that happened in life or whether it was something someone was trying to do to me or something that the enemy was trying to discourage me or distract me or knock me out, when I go through it, I come out on the other side stronger. And I'm able to withstand and, and deal with things that otherwise, last year, I wouldn't have been able to deal with. Why? Because I'm growing stronger. And I'm understanding it's not about me. I'm understanding it's about what He wants. It's about Him. And when I have that in my heart, when I allow Him to capture my heart, it, it, it makes me more faithful. It makes me stronger. I get a little bit more sticky. Let me show you something. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes to Timothy, who's a young minister, got a lot of people that are giving him a hard time in a lot of different areas, mainly because he's young. Amongst other things, he's having to deal, having to deal with people who may not like what he's saying, what he's doing. And so Paul's writing him and encouraging him. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In verse 1, he says, I charge you, therefore, before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, I charge you, Timothy, to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, to convince, rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. For there is going to come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will actually heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they'll be turned aside to fables. But you, Timothy, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Paul tells Timothy to endure afflictions with all long-suffering. Continue to teach. There's going to come a time where people are actually going to prefer convenience and what they want to hear what their itching ears want to hear, what is easier for them to swallow, what's easy for them to endure, there's actually going to come a time where they're going to prefer that over what you're going to be teaching and what you're going to be doing. He said, but I'm telling you, Timothy, endure all of that because you need to fulfill your ministry because you have a purpose. You need to stay planted. You need to stay grounded. You need to stay faithful because this is going to actually benefit you. It's actually going to help you to grow as you're helping others to grow. But it's about bringing that weightiness back to that word faithful. It's about bringing that weightiness back to that word and not just treating it as something that's, oh, it doesn't really matter because I'm just going to do what I think is best for me. If I had what was best, what I thought was best for me, 
It wouldn't look anything like what I have right now. If my kids wanted what was best for them, it wouldn't look anything like what they have right now, would it? Because we think we know best. We think what we want is best. But what about what God wants? Am I really being led by His Spirit? Am I really understanding what it means to be called? Am I understanding what it means to be a child of God that actually, even though this may not be what I want at this moment, God has called me. And because of that, I'm going to be faithful because He's faithful. And because I know this is where He's called me. And I know this is where I need to be planted. And then what you'll find is that some of the very things in your life that maybe you had to endure and things that were uncomfortable. Maybe you went through a season of change because change is always hard for people. But yet you endure and you stick to what God has called you to do. You'll find yourself falling in love with those things that you were once frustrated with. Find yourself going, I love being where God has called me to be. I looked up glue and the process of how you make it because I thought that that would be a, a good example. And you know that when you make glue, that it has to be heated to a certain temperature. And it has to stay at that certain temperature for a certain amount of time. And if you take it out too early and you begin to cool it off, then all of a sudden, guess what's going to happen? It's just going to be goop. It's not going to be glue. It's not actually going to have any stickiness to it. It's going to just be something that is just gross that nobody's going to want. But if we allow the heat and the pressure in that cooker to do its job for the time that it needs to do, it's actually going to make that glue very sticky. It's kind of like, you know, when I take my kids to the store. I guess we go to Walmart a lot because I use Walmart as my illustrations. I am from the South, so I guess that makes sense. We like Walmart. <laughs> we have our own website. But anyways, <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. People of Walmart. It's a beautiful website. <laughs> see my family members on there. All right. When we go to Walmart, sometimes the greeters at the door will hand out a smiley face sticker. And I'm like, thanks. Because now there's a smiley face sticker that my child has that's not going to last very long. And when we get home, we're going to have to throw it away and they're not going to understand why. Thank you very much, Ed or Ted or whoever at Walmart that handed the sticker to my child. Okay. So here we go with this sticker. And my kids do what your kids do. They put it on. And then they go, I don't like it there. I don't want it here. No, I don't like it there. I want it here. No, I don't like it there. I want it here. No, I don't like it there. I want it here. And then what happens? Doesn't have any more stickiness. It's just a piece of paper of a flower now. Why? Because I moved it around and it didn't stick. It doesn't stick anymore. It's just a piece of paper now. That's what happens when people go from job to job, from church to church, from relationship to relationship. When they go from this thing to that thing, they're looking for something to stick, and it has no stickiness. Folks, let me tell you something. God wants us to stick. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to grow where we are planted. Amen? Amen. You see, we need to be sticky in order to grow. We need to be sticky in order to grow because faithfulness is me growing where I am planted regardless of the level of comfort I may be experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> regardless.
regardless of the level of comfort that I may be experiencing right now. God wants me to be faithful. That's why we can't look at marriage as just this flighty promise that I made to somebody when I was in an emotional state of bliss and I really didn't know what I was doing. No, marriage is not a contract. It's not just a commitment. Marriage is a covenant. Amen, somebody. It's a covenant. It is a covenant relationship. It is something that is deep. Let, let me tell you something. I want us to understand the weight of commitment, the weight of covenant, the weight of faithfulness. How are we ever going to grow if we never learn to be sticky? If we never learn to stick where God has called us and where we're planted. You see, the only reason that we should ever move on in life are these two things. And that's if there are biblical reasons, biblical grounds, things that have happened, or if God is calling me to do so. And oftentimes it'll be both of those things that you need. I have even seen, though, it, since we're talking about marriage, I, I have even seen in marriages where a biblical reason that someone could have left their spouse would be because of infidelity. But yet that person still chose because of their understanding of faithfulness and forgiveness and grace and mercy that they stuck with that person and they worked it out and they have a strong, healthy marriage today. They didn't quit just because they could. They decided, no, I'm committed. I'm going to prove my faithfulness. I'm going to stick with this individual. I've seen those things happen. That's wonderful when those things happen. Praise God for those people that choose to work things out. I guarantee you that that's going to make relationships stronger when we decide to stick things out. It's going to make our understanding of our, uh, our, our employment in the workplace stronger. It's going to make us more valuable as an employee when we understand faithfulness. Amen, somebody? Amen. Circumstances may not be ideal, but did God call you there? Amen? Amen. God's going to make church a lot stronger when we understand faithfulness. When we understand we need to be sticky in order to grow. Did God call me? Did God call me? Because, you know, change is hard. Frustrations are difficult. Offense abounds in our lives. But what we do with those things, how we respond to those things, is going to be a test that's going to be repeated in our lives over and over again, whether we like it or not. Amen, somebody? Amen. Am I serving what is convenient? Am I serving what is easy? Or am I serving what God wants? Because I guarantee you, what God wants is better than anything you could ever want for yourself. For us to grow, we've got to be sticky. You've got to understand that God is a faithful and committed God. That's just who He is. And that's who He's created us to be. You don't quit just because. You don't give up just because. You don't move around looking for perfection or for happiness just because. No, we have to find those things in Him and allow Him to redefine for us the weight of the word faithful and bring back that understanding of covenant and commitment and relationship and what he desires for us. And I want to give us four things to help keep us focused. And I want you to write these down. These things are going to help keep us focused as we grow in our re redefinition of the word faithful. The first thing is this. Don't make giving up easy 
or in certain instances, even an option. Don't make giving up easy. We make giving up way too easy. And we lose the sticky factor when we make giving up way too easy. Oh, I'm going to quit because I'm mad. I'm going to give up because I'm offended. Oh, it's too easy. That's way too easy. And the more you do that, the easier it's going to get to pull up and quit on the next thing. Because you'll lose stickiness. You keep losing it and losing it and losing it and losing it. And next thing you know, you're searching for something you're never going to find because only God can truly provide what you're looking for. Let me tell you, folks, we got to get an understanding of what it means to be faithful. God has called us to be faithful, and he doesn't want us to just make giving up easy. we got to stop making it so easy to quit and justifying the things that we think, the things that we may be feeling. In certain instances, we don't even need to make it an option. I know when my wife and I were dating, when I proposed to her, I told her this right after she said yes. I said, now listen. I said, before we move forward with any wedding plans, you've got to understand something about me. I'm not going to make the D word even an option in our relationship. We're not even going to talk about it. I don't care how mad I make you. I don't care how mad you make me. I don't care what happens. Divorce is not an option for me, and I don't want it to be an option for you, or we don't need to move forward with this. And she said, I feel the same way. It's not going to be an option. I've been married for almost 13 years, and we have not made that an option. We have never discussed it. We have never talked about it because we made giving up not easy. And in our circumstance, we said, not an option. Well, what about this? What if this happens? Not an option. We're not going there, okay? So that's one of the things that will help us to keep focused, that we need to remain sticky in order for us to grow. Second thing, keep promises and commitments even if it hurts. Don't always look for a scapegoat. We always want to play the blame game when it comes to our commitments. Oh, you know what? Oh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's this person. If they weren't doing this and if this didn't happen, well, then I could be committed. No. Stop looking for a scapegoat. Stop looking for an excuse. Keep your promises and your commitments even if it hurts. How many of you have ever told somebody you were going to go do something with them and then you thought about it later and you were like, oh, man. Yikes, I don't really want to do that anymore. I don't really want to do that anymore. And so we just so easily go, eh, whatever. It doesn't matter. No weight to my commitment at all. You know, we got to understand, we need to swear to our own hurt, and especially even with our children. We need to be careful about this, mom and dad. Even in little things, okay? Even in little things where we may tell our children um, yeah, I'll go put that movie on for you in the other room in just a minute. Let me finish doing this. We need to make sure that when we give them our word that we really follow through with it, especially in those little things because they're seeing us as an example and they're learning how to keep their word and the importance of keeping your word even if it's inconvenient. And I know sometimes we forget and we have to apologize to them and apologize to others when we do forget because those things happen but that we make a disciplined effort to do our best to not forget those things. That we make a disciplined effort to make sure that when we tell them, yeah, we'll make cookies when we get home or you can have this, that you actually follow through with it. Amen, somebody? Amen. Stick to your word. That'll go a long way with your children. That'll go a long way with your spouse. It'll go a long way at work. It'll go a long way in life. 
Third thing, never carry offense. Never carry offense. Don't carry it around. Do your part to make it right. Whatever that means, whatever that takes, do not carry offense around. It will poison you. It will poison your thoughts towards others. It will poison your thoughts and your relationships in marriage and church and the job with your spouse, with your kids. It will poison things between you and people you are close to, people you don't really even know. Offense will poison so many things. Always, always, always do your part to make it right, even if the other person doesn't do their part. You do your part to always make it right. Don't carry offense. And the fourth thing is simple but easy, but so difficult sometimes to do, and that's to stay sticky. I want you to remember that. I want you to stay sticky, not to just always pull up and move around. That's going to help keep us focused, just something simple like that to remember, to stay sticky because faithfulness is who God is. It's his DNA, and it's what he's called you and I to do. Amen, somebody? Would you bow your head this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.